0: Yes, glory to God. Well, I came home this weekend, and uh, like I said, first service, I didn't know I was preaching until yesterday. So that wasn't the plan. But Keith had to get to Toledo, so uh, I think there was some weather and some different things, so uh, he's on his way to Toledo, and he'll be there all week long. He was in, where were they, Iowa? Iowa? Iowa on Wednesday. And uh, it went really, really well. They had a lot of churches from the area around and stuff that canceled their services and came out on Wednesday. And the meetings went really, really well, they said. So uh, he said he was out in the middle. He said he, they drove and drove, and they got out in the middle. Mike texted and said... Uh, uh, don't try to call us for an hour before and an hour after because there's no cell service out there. <laughs> so, uh, But uh, the services went really well, and they were very, very pleased. So like Dave said, he's been keeping that airplane hot, and we're wanting him to keep it hotter because we've been having to take a few commercial flights. So, uh, it's yeah, we'll get him flying more. So, yeah, so it'll be great. But, uh, no, the things going on in Sarasota have been supernatural. You know, everything that's happening. You know, I was thinking about a couple of the things that I forgot to mention Friday night. And uh, uh, it's just been amazing what we've happened, things that's happened and done. When we got in there, we didn't realize it at the time. But they left and we were walking around one day and they left all these walls for us. And we didn't know it at the time, but that's going to save us lots of money. I mean, just like lots of money, they just hand it over to us. And then we got in the back, and every time we'd take somebody through there, one of the engineers or something like that, they'd say, do you know that that stuff is worth lots of money? And we thought, well, lots, $5,000. Oh, no, 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 hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so uh, we've got people coming out and saying that they're wanting it. So God just put us a little money in our hand to start off the bat, you know. So uh, uh, he... He has um, done several things for us already, and uh, a lot of the people that we've come in contact with um, from the start of it, um, we are already ministering to, and um, we won't go into the details on it, but uh, there's a lot of people there that are hurting. There's a lot of people there that are in need and believe in God and stuff, and uh, like we've said before, you don't wait until, you know, you're behind the pulpit. Like Dave said, first service, you, you've got people to minister to always. So, uh, uh, there's some people ready and and hungry. And so we stay on track and things are happening and we're believing God and it's going really, really well. Uh, we got the plans done and agreed. Dave and I went to a, a meeting last week and, um, went before the County and, uh, we sat there and they were sitting across the table from us and, and, um, We kept thinking, well, we may have to do this or we may have to do that. And they said, nope. You don't have to do that. Nope, that's okay. You can do do this and and just saving us money left and right and left and right and left and right. And we were thanking God the whole time. You know, I'm just sitting there praying and letting them do it. You know, and so it's just God favor every direction that we've turned. And uh, so it's going really well. And so you guys' prayers are being heard. Our prayers are being heard. And it's going to be a great church. I'm telling you. So you want to get in. You want to be a part of it because I mean, people's lives will be changed forever, and you want to be in on the ground floor of it. So Make sure you don't miss out on it. it. You know, people get deceived by thinking that, okay, my dollar doesn't mean anything. But if you have an extra dollar that day, put it in there because then that's what magnifies. You know, it just blows up. You know, you may think, okay, I only have a dollar in my pocket or change or whatever. Put it in there because it matters. It's your seed going in the ground. It's, it's got something going in there. And, and it'll, it may be just one dollar going to Sarasota, but that's your one dollar in somebody's life that's going into Sarasota, you know, or or something. So don't let the devil lie to you and tell you things that's not true, because uh, everything I've got, I'm putting into it, and I, you know, everything we can do, we're doing, because uh, you want to change people's lives forever, so, well, when I found out yesterday, is that enough about that? Yeah. Um, when I found out yesterday that I was going to be doing this, just almost immediately, uh, the Lord gave me a title. And I thought, well, that's interesting, Lord. Now give me the message to go with it, you know. Uh, so uh, he did. And so um, here we go. It, the title of it is The Devil's Fool or God's Tool. Yeah. And so um, I thought that was really, really interesting um, because oh, nobody wants to be the devil's fool you know so but let's find out actually what a fool is you know you think you know so I think I most of us already know but listen to what it says it says one who is regarded as deficient in judgment sense or understanding you notice I turned away from Dave you know he was the one that said he was empty headed while ago couldn't think of anything you know he, he said it I didn't say it um, One who acts unwisely on a given occasion. A person lacking in good sense. An easily victimized person. One who has been tricked or made to appear ridiculous or a dupe. Has the devil ever made you kind of be there? Listen to some words that go along with it. Now, don't raise your hand. We we could do this. We could say, "Okay, everybody that's ever been called one of these words, stand up." And I think probably the whole crowd would be standing up before it was all over with, because if you've ever driven here in Branson, you've probably been called one of these words. <laughs> you know, um, a laughing stock, a bonehead, a buffoon, a joke, a dupe, a figure of fun, a mockery a blockhead, a dimwit, a dullard, a dummy. Here's the one. You idiot, get out of my way. (laughs) Yeah, you imbecile, you ding-a-ling, a A dingbat, a jerk, a loon, (coughs) a moron, a nincompoop, a ninny, a nitwit, a schmuck, a simpleton, a twit, a dupe, a chump, an easy mark, gullible, sap. Or a sucker. <coughs> well, I know we've all been called some of those words and names and stuff. I better get me something to drink here. <laughs> These fly and you get dried out real easily. <coughs> and then talking. It says in Psalms 14.1 that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. There's nobody in here that's going to today say that there is no God. Everybody in here is going to say there is a God. So the devil knows that. So he's not going to attack you and say that there is no God. Not a person in here is probably going to just stand up today and say, okay, there is no God. You wouldn't have come to church today if you'd have thought there was no God. So what is he going to do? He's going to try to convince you, of different things that God has either said or done and twist them and confuse them and make you think something that is confusing. And if there's anything that we have learned as a staff, especially the ones that hang with Keith very closely, like me or Dave or his mechanics or Karen or different ones of us, we've learned real quickly that it is not confusing. Because that's his words to us. It is not confusing or complicated. Yeah, that's his. It's not. And if it becomes complicated or confusing, you know it is something that the devil has done. Because the things of God are truly simple. They're really easy. When you get light on something from the word, what is it? It's like, duh, I have been really dumb. That is so simple. Finances. Do you remember when you first found out that God supplies all your needs? Mm -hmm. Did you forget wondering why you were broke all the time? It was simple to you. You give and it will be given unto you. Mm -hmm. You understood that. It wasn't confusing to you anymore. Or by his stripes you were healed. It wasn't confusing to you anymore. It's just when the devil takes something and twists it that it becomes confusing to you. You ever seen your family members and you try to explain something to them and from the word or a friend or somebody and you're you're doing everything within your power to explain it to them and they're still confused. They're just looking at you like, what? They don't understand it. There's no light. That That is because the devil has twisted it in their heads, in their minds, and in their hearts. And we can all have something that he's doing that to us with if we don't watch it, if we're not on our guard, if we're not paying attention closely to what he's trying to do. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians 11. Verse 3. The King James says, but I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So what is he saying? That the things of God are simple. It's the devil that twists them. What did he do with Eve? He twisted it. The Living Bible says, Just as Eve was deceived by the devil, he instantly tries to twist things. I want to show you something this morning about the Word that I think will help you to see what the devil tries to do. Because there's people in here that he's not going to try at all to tell you that... um, Let's see, if you will go to a bar, then this is going to happen. Or if you'll go do this or, or sleep with somebody, or that might not even be a temptation to you. But if he can take the word and make it say something a little bit different, then you'll believe it. Why? Because what do you call yourself? Word person. Somebody that believes the Word. So you have to have Scripture for it. If you don't have Scripture for it, you're not going to believe it, right? Okay? So what the devil does is he tries to twist it and make it say something that it doesn't say. So look at something with me in Luke 4. Everybody knows the story. About Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. How many of you have heard the story? Yeah. Everybody in here. Well, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the devil told him several things. And he told him that he was going to give him all the glory if he would just bow down. Do you recall that? What was he doing then when he told him that? Did he have the right to do it? Yes, he did. But what he was actually trying to do was get... Was Jesus actually one day going to have all the glory? Yes. Does he get all the glory now? Yes. So what the devil was trying to do was intervene and give Jesus a shortcut to this glory what appeared to be a shortcut you can have it now you don't have to wait it can be yours instantly why put up with all that stuff that you're putting up with why deal with all that stuff that you're dealing with you don't have to listen to them you can just have it now you don't have to work for them anymore just be your own boss have it now You don't have to submit, you don't have to do anything, you can just have it now. And just go the shortcut way. Instantly, have it. And the devil will hang a a carrot out there for you to have things now. And provide for you to have them now. Almost like get rich quick schemes. Other ways. And not that the item is wrong in the end. Or not that you don't have that call in the end. Or not that it's not your place. Was it Jesus' place to have the glory? So was it something that was registering on the inside of Him? I will have glory. It'll be, it's right. It's right for me to have glory. Is this the way I'm supposed to get it? Do you think he questioned that, though? He didn't know everything. The devil is always there to get you off course, to slip something in on you, to tell you, here, take this easy way. If you'll just do this, you can have this. If you'll just do this, you can have this, and you won't have to put up with this. You won't have to do this. You can skip all this. You ever seen teenagers? They want to skip all this and have the nice car. They don't want to have to have the job. They want to do this. They want to do that. And just Do you know that that's not the best way for them, for somebody just to provide that for them and them not realize that they have to do certain things for themselves to have it? Well, that's, that's the way that the devil works. He twists things so that you wind up off the path. What, what does, uh, is it John that says that? Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Why is that? Because some things we're just not ready for. Some things, if we get them before we're ready for them, we're going to mess them up. And we're going to fall on our faces. And we're not going to be ready for them. And it's going to cause us trouble. And it's going to cause us problems. And it's going to cause us heartache. But if we do it the path that God has planned for us, in the time that He has planned for us, in the way that He has planned for us, It's not going to be most likely when we thought it should be, but it'll be the right way. But the devil is always there trying to say, take the easy way out. Take the easy way out. That's too hard. You don't have to deal with that. Why? Who said you had to put up with them? Who said you had to stay there and deal with all that stuff? You got that mean boss? Who said you had to live in that town with your brothers and sisters anyway? The devil's never told you things like that, I suppose. Only just me. Look at what he told the Lord in verse 10. He says, now this is the devil talking. And he says, for it is written shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. Now who was talking? What was he saying? Can the devil quote scripture? Has He ever quoted Scripture to you? Will He ever quote Scripture to you to help you get your way? Is there another verse in the Bible that says that we are to rightly divide the word of truth? So is it possible that if you just are wanting to kind of get your way? I know there are certain scriptures that that I know particularly that I know really well. Husbands, love your wife, love your wife, love your wife. Come on, you're supposed to love your wife. And I know every wife in here knows it. And I know every husband in here can, quote, wives submit. (laughs) And they're very familiar with that for their own benefit. But you do have to rightly divide those things. You have to read what's before it. You have to read what's after it. You have to read what's in between it. But most importantly, you have to get the spirit of what it is saying. What if Jesus had jumped off that cliff? He would have went splat. Splat. What if you go, jump off into the wild blue yonder with nothing to support you, no one to support you, no direction from the Lord, no leading of the Lord, no indication that this is right, except for some wild scripture that's not even God. No leading from God, except for some little scratching that you ate pizza wrong last night, and a scripture that you decided that you'd put with it. What's going to happen to you? Splat. I use this illustration first service and I'll use it again. It's just like if someone were to come to Kim and say, Kim, um, they're having this party. And Dave said that rams could go, and it's a party where they spend the night, and there's boys and girls there and all this kind of stuff. And Dave said rams could go. Is Kim going to believe that? No. Not a chance. She wouldn't even believe it. Dave said she could stay till 2 in the morning with boys and girls there spending the night. she say, I'm talking to Dave about that. Why? Because she knows him. She knows what he's already allowed. She knows what she's familiar with him, That what, she'll, what he'll let her do already. I know what Keith says. When somebody comes to me and says, Brother Moore said that to do this or do that, I'm going, huh? Uh-uh. No, he didn't say that. You misinterpreted what he said. He didn't say that. You misread him. That's not what he said. I don't care. I'll take responsibility. That's not what he said. Why? Because I know him. And that's the way you should know the Father God. There's a major thing that you should know. There is a scripture that says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If something is stealing or killing or destroying, I don't care if it's quoting a scripture. If Jesus were to have jumped off this cliff, what would have happened to him? It would have killed him, most likely, or destroyed him or hurt him or caused him harm. That is not God. So I don't care how much it's the Word. It's not God. It's misinterpreting the Word. It's putting a a tainted spin on the Word, a twisted spin. And the devil is very good at that because he knows we believe the Word. So you can't just... Take one scripture and make it say something that you want it to say. You've got to put the word of, what is the New Testament commandment? There is one New Testament commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the New Testament commandment. So whatever scripture that you apply in the New Testament must come from that scripture. So I don't care if you say you're going to sue somebody, you've got to look at it and say, is that love? You're going to divorce somebody. Is that love? You're going to slap somebody. <laughs> oh, that, that, that wasn't quite love. Now you can put a scripture behind it and pretend like it's love, but you know in your heart the whole time you're doing it, it's not. And you can make yourself pretend that it is, but it's not. We know how to rightfully divide the Word. But we have made it to where we've learned also that we got just enough Word to hurt ourselves. Make it say what we want it to say and do what we want it to do. And we we get our concordances out just enough to make them do and say and twist and pull and... To manipulate but who is it hurting just only us and we're turning out to be the devil's fools because we're playing right into his hands because the thing about it is if we do what he tells us to do we're harming ourselves we're headed right down his path because he does know some things And he knows if he can get you to believe that verse and you're saying it and you're believing it, then you're headed for ruin. I was thinking as I was sitting over there about some of the things, about small things that are getting people off off course. Um, And it was like all of a sudden I just saw some things that were happening in people's lives. It's like people in here are doing things that they know is not the right thing to do but they're tired of waiting to hear from God. So they're filling in the blanks with what they want to hear and want to do and just taking things into their own hands and doing it their own way and coming out with their own results. And I'll tell you some of those things in just a minute. Let me read you these verses first. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs 19.3 and they'll put it on the screen actually you probably don't even have to turn there cuz i'm going to read it from several translations this is the king james first it says the foolishness of man perverts his way and his heart frets against the lord the amplified says the foolishness of a man subverts his way ruins his affairs, then his heart is resentful and frets against the Lord. NIV says, a man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. The Living Bible says, a man ruins his chances by his own foolishness. And then blames it on the Lord. The New Living says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness. Then they're angry at the Lord. The message says, people ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? Now as I was sitting here I knew we had just kind of done the same thing first service it was kind of to- totally different too but and these are some things that came up in my heart There's some people in here that should really be standing for their healing and they've decided they're tired of standing for their healing so they're going to go have surgery Then when they get in the surgery and it goes bad, it's God's fault because He didn't protect them through the surgery. But now is that God's fault when He didn't tell them to have the surgery to begin with? And there's people in here that are selling homes and buying homes that should be staying put and getting their finances in a mess when they should be paying off stuff. And then they're going to blame God when they don't have the money to pay their bills and they have to file bankruptcy and say, God, you're supposed to be meeting my needs. Is that God getting them in a mess? It's not God. But we do things and then we blame Him for it. And we twist scriptures and we and we try to manipulate things to say things when it's not Him doing it at all. Then there's other people that should be selling out everything that they've got and doing what God told them to do. And they won't do it for nothing. We've got to learn that the devil knows exactly what you're doing. I don't know how, but he does. And he knows the very words to tell you. And he knows the very words to twist to you. Did he know the words to tell Jesus? Did he know what he was going through at the time? And he knew exactly what to quote to him about bread and about glory. You notice he didn't talk to him about healing. What did he talk to him about? What he was going through. And that's the very same thing he's going to do to you. He's going to come to you, and if you're having trouble in your marriage, He's going to talk to you about things in your marriage. And He's going to bring up scriptures, and He's going to bring up things, and He's going to do things that entice you to either go with what you know is right, or go with the devil. And you know, you can get a way out. You can find a way out. You can figure a way out if you want a way out. But like I said in first service, There is a scripture, and I know it's in this book right here, and you should probably find it for your own self. And I could probably tell you exactly where it was, but it'd probably do you good to find it that says, I hate divorce. We've made it like it's okay, but it's not. People mess up. Don't take scriptures and try to make them say what you need for that situation so that you can convince yourself that you're doing the right thing. Don't be the devil's fool. Don't let him use you the way he wants to use you. Rightly divide the word. Follow what you know in your heart is right. Don't override what your heart tells you. Because all the time that you're doing that, you're knowing in your heart that what you're doing is not right. It's not confusing to you. The, the one, the author of the book, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he's not going to let you take this book and twist it in every different direction. What did Jesus do immediately when the devil quoted him that scripture? He came back with true scriptures that were right and rightly divided. that didn't get him off course, that didn't mess him up. And then he finished his course and he is in glory. And we do glorify him and we do magnify him and he is and he paid the price for us. And if he would not have done that, where would we be today? God wants the very best for every person in this room. But we have a tendency to want to do it our way and not wait on him we we have become very impatient microwave speed drive through not get out not wait on the lord for anything let's look at some scriptures about that for just a minute if i can find them i've got all my notes mixed up i don't even think i've looked at them so let's see isaiah 28:16 we should stop filling in the blanks like we know the answers to things we should stop, just because God tells us that we're supposed to do one thing, we should not just take the whole path like we know what is at the end of the course. Just because he says, go to um, Branson, it doesn't mean that he says, move to Branson. He said, go to Branson. Mm-hmm. That's right. Does that mean move to Branson? There's a difference between those two words, in case you didn't know it. Go and move. That's two, two totally different words. But people, because they want something in their flesh, they twist words and they twist scriptures. And then they get themselves off course. And then it makes themselves look bad and God look bad. And it gets them hurt and defeated. And it looks like God doesn't love them when He does, in fact, love them and wants the very best for them. Right. And He's trying His very best to get them the very best. But we keep getting in His way, trying to do it our way. Look with me, if you would, to, at Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. It says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a tried." A stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes shall what? Not make haste. You shall find out what the Lord says. Psalms 25, 3 says, Yea, let none that wait on the Lord be ashamed. Psalms 25, 5 says, Lead me in thy truth, teach me, for you are God, my salvation. On thee do I wait five whole minutes. <laughs> right? Most people will not Will not read their chapter, which takes all of probably five whole minutes most of the time. Much less get up in the morning, ten extra minutes, five extra minutes to wait on God to hear from Him what they're actually supposed to do that day. Wait in His presence any length of time to find out. I know. I have to do that. I know one day we were down there at the building and we were doing some things and that morning I got up and I had the strangest thought. I thought, you know the pictures that we put up here of the plans of what we're planning on doing, you know, and what it's going to look like and everything. I was there and I was praying and, and it was, I thought, why would you do that? There's these walls that are in there and they're kind of cloth walls. and. I got up and I got to the office and I got all those pictures and I hung them on the wall. And I got the plans and I hung them on the wall. And it was the oddest thing. The people that came in, that was the very first thing. This is going to be wonderful. This is going to be nice. This is going to impress the people that needed to be impressed as they came through the door. Gave them an idea of what was going to happen without us even saying a word. Now, I wouldn't have even thought about that. But the Lord knew it. And he knew what they needed to see. He knew exactly what day it needed to be up there. We didn't even know they were coming in that day. But he knew it. And all they cared about is that we were going to make it look better. It takes sometimes five minutes to hear from God. It's very important that you take that time. It's very important that you spend time with the Lord. Take time in the morning. Don't eat breakfast if you don't have to. Maybe your hair will be a little messier than it needs to be. Maybe you don't have your pants pressed. Maybe you don't have your makeup on. Maybe you don't... I don't care if you don't get your teeth brushed. I don't care if you don't have your deodorant on. I don't care. But hear from God. Find out what He has to say for you to do that day. It's the most valuable thing you have in your life. Why be filled with the Spirit? Why hear from God? Why serve God if you're not going to take the time to hear from Him? He's trying to help us every day. It's His heart. It's His desire. It's His love. He loves us so much. But if we're not going to take 30 seconds, 1 minute, 5 minutes to hear from Him for Him to say, do this, do that, do this, do that, then what point is it? If we're just going to do what we want to do, whether or not, and take the Word and make it say what we want it to say, whether or not, then He can't help us. And His greatest heart's desire is to see us blessed. What parent do you know that doesn't want to see their child blessed? And God is the greatest parent of all. He wants us to have everything. He did everything He knows to give us everything He can. And all all we have to do is, Okay, God, tell me what to do today. And I'll do it. Like I said, for service, maybe all he wants you to do today, you've been believing him for a $1,000. And all he wants you to do today is get up out of your chair and go to Walmart. And maybe somebody at Walmart drops something on the floor and you help them pick it up. And it blesses them because you do that. And they say, here, I want to give you something. And they hand you a check for $1,000. You never met them before in your life. But maybe that was God's way of doing that for you. But you never went to Walmart because you didn't want to take the time to get up and get out because it was cold or it was raining. Are we the devil's fools for not listening? Or are we going to be God's tools? Let's find out what a tool is. You want to? Let's see if I can find it. I have it somewhere here. Here it is. A tool is a device used to perform or facilitate manual or mechanical work. It's something regarded as necessary to carry out one's occupation or profession. A mechanical device used to fashion an image from wood or stone. It means to carve or to cut or to figure or machine or pattern or sculpt or shape. turn something now we have been down in Sarasota for a little bit of time now and one of the first weeks I don't know where I was I don't think I was there maybe I was here and you guys were down there then or something I forget what the deal was but Dave and Rob and Dan went to the store to buy some tools and I said y'all spend this much don't spend any more than that right now just spend this much And Dave's with them, and the guys are like women in a shoe store. (laughs) It's like they want everything. You know, tools are tools, you know. I mean, it's like we got to have this and we got to have this and we got to have this and we got to have this. And I said, you're not going to work on all that stuff this week, are you? And they're like, no, but we're going to need it. Well, when you need it, we'll get it, you know. And uh, they needed this wrench for this. And, and Dave said, what are you going to use that wrench for, you know. And so, but they needed all these different wrenches for different things, you know. How many guys do we have that work on? No, never mind. <laughs> but anyway, they needed all these tools. Because different tools do different things. Every tool has its specific purpose. It's like you're not going to use, now you'll see how much I know my tools, a a ratchet to do the job of pliers, right? Okay? So, uh, and if you're going to use, um, let's see if I can think in my head, uh, a clothes, one of those wrenches that are closed like that, a box head wrench, okay, thank you, and it is, um, say, like I said, first service, three quarter inches, and you've got a half inch bolt, what's going to happen, it does not work, it just keeps spinning around, right, well, what if you are God's tool, Now, Kim gave a testimony this morning about some people that happened to be in the right place at the right time. Hmm? Were they able to be God's tools that day? Because they listened and they were in the right place at the right time and were able to minister to those people. Those people called them angels. We're better than angels, but anyway, they, that was their a strong way of saying they really ministered to them. What about you? Are you God's tool? Will you listen? Will you let Him fix your stuff up enough to where you can minister to other people and be the person that you need to be to minister to other people? It takes a specific person to minister to another specific person. Everybody can't handle me. I'm not looking over there. <laughs> Sometimes I'll tell Dave to say something, and he'll say okay, and and he'll go out and he'll say it totally different than what I said to say it because I was maybe upset when I said say it, and he goes out and says it's so sweet and so kind, you know, and um, but anyway, you understand what I'm saying. Everybody is a different person, and. Maybe you're supposed to minister to one person and you're supposed to minister to another person and maybe you do it through carpentry work and you do it through uh, loving on them and hugging their neck and you do it through baking them a cake and you do it through uh, ironing their clothes and you do it through uh, cleaning their doorknob and you do it through, you know, just whatever their situation is. But everybody is a, is a different kind of tool. And God made us that way. Don't you think He is the best, best, best person to manufacture tools and to make them specific to do exactly what they're supposed to do? Well, let's read a scripture about it. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you can be equipped to do any kind of work that you need to do. You can have all the equipment that you need if you rightly divide the word. If you take the word and you do exactly what you're supposed to do with it, if you interpret it based with the scripture and the Holy Spirit inside you, and you don't try to twist it to manipulate it and say and do what you want it to do, then you're going to come out ahead. What would have happened to Jesus had he of just taken the devil and said, Okay, this is spiritual. This is scripture. This is, I know, this is my ministry. I'm going to glory. Uh, what would have happened? Where would we be today? Lost. Where will other people be if you do that? If you don't fulfill what God has called you to do, then other people will not get ministered to the way that they're supposed to get ministered to. And you have a call. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether you ever do it or not, you're called. And whether you want to do it or not, you're called. Everybody is supposed to be ministering to people. Every person that I've come in contact with down there we've ministered to. I don't have to get up in this pulpit to minister to people. We minister to people by our love, by our actions, by our words, by our our compassion. We show them who God is, who Jesus is. And if we're falling apart at the seams in our marriages, in our homes, and in our families, and in our finances, then what kind of tools are we? Where are the cheap ones that are falling apart? That the first time you use them, what do you do? You ever seen those tools that the first time you use them, you go to use a wrench or something and it just bends more than the... (laughs) Useless. Totally useless. That's what the devil wants you to be. Useless. But you're not. You're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. What happened to Jesus? Turn back there to Luke with me. Let's see what verse it is. Um, If I can find it here. All my notes are so messed up. I'm playing Keith. Um, verse 14, 414. The first part of that. It says, and Jesus returned in what? The power of the Spirit. How And why was he able to return in the power of the Spirit? Because he didn't let the devil dupe him, trick him, deceive him, hoodwink him. All those words. He rightly divided the word. And he returned in the power of the Spirit. And the devil had to leave him for a season. And that's what will happen in your life. If you don't give place to the devil, if you don't play his game, if you don't let him let you twist the word and make you do something because it feels good for the time or, or, or say something or, or uh, not yield to things that you know you shouldn't yield to, then you will come out in the power of the Spirit. And you'll be able to overcome the troubles with your body. You'll be able to overcome the troubles with your finances or you'll be able to overcome the troubles with your family. But you can't twist the word and make it say what you want it to say. You got to be real. Yeah, it is tough to stand sometimes. But you stand, and you get the word, and you say, "Yeah, my back's hurting, but I'm standing. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed. I don't care what it says. I don't care how it feels. I'm healed." God didn't tell me to have surgery. I ain't having surgery. I'm healed. Devil, you're a liar. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. And you are not moved until God tells you something else. So, what makes you the devil's fool? Twisting, deceiving yourself. What makes you God's tool? Rightly dividing the word. Not filling in the blanks. Doing it His way. Listening to Him. We can't do things our way. We have to hear from Him. Don't fill in the blanks. Find out what He's telling you to do. Don't assume. And don't do it just because it's something you like to do. Most of the time... It's what you don't want to do. In the beginning. Then you find out, Whoa, I was I so dumb? It's like me now. You know, y'all heard me tell I didn't want to do all this sister church stuff in the beginning. I'm so happy. Because I see all the wonderful things that's going on. I couldn't figure it out with my head. But you know what? Your head is dumb. It don't got all the answers. And if you're looking to your head, there's a scripture. Uh, well, let me tell you what Brother Hagen used to say. Let's see if I can find it here. I even wrote it down because I thought about it last night. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, I don't want to misquote it. Um, hmm. Stand by, as Keith says. I know it's here. Hmm... Let's see. I think it's on this page. Here it is. It's, Brother Hagin used to say this all the time. And if you know him, you've heard it. If the enemy can keep you in the realm of reasoning, he will defeat you every time. But if you, keep, you stay in the realm of faith, you will defeat him. Every time. So what that means is, you got to quit thinking about it. You don't have the answers. You just need to hear from God. Quit thinking. Go to Him. Find out what He says and do it. That's it. That's the only way it will work. Anything else is your plan, your ideas, and you will fall on your face. Because his plan is the only way. And it don't look like you got the money, and it don't look like you got the time, and it don't look like you got the answers. But if he says do it, do it. And it will work every time. Stand up on your feet. Thank you, Lord. Father, we do thank you for this opportunity. Father, we thank you that you are so good to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you're always looking out for our good and for our benefit, Father. We thank you that you've already defeated the devil. All we have to do is not listen to him. Thank you, Father, that you've made a way where there seems to be no way. Thank you that you've overcome every trap and every obstacle. Thank you that you are the one that makes us the head and not the tail. That you make us above and not beneath, Father. That you love us and you've prepared a good way for us to go, Father. Thank you that you're on our side. Thank you that you are our Father God and you love us and you've prepared a good way for us to go. We thank you that you are with us and you will show us all things that we need to know, Father. And we just ask you now, as we look to you for every situation in our life, you will give us the answers and we will quit looking to our own minds and our own reasonings. We will quit being the devil's fool and we will become your perfect tool for the job, for the situation that is at hand. Thank you for your goodness to us. We trust you in every situation that comes our way. And we will rightly divide your word of truth and put it to practice in our lives every day, Father. Thank you for your goodness to us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.